My name is Dan, aka the Boogeyman. I've done that to myself. And today we're going to be doing a review of Midsummer, and I'm going to be doing it with my friend Zara. How are you doing, Zara? Are you okay? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. Not bad at all. Good. Except you know the debacle of trying to get this work in between us. I know. <laughs> we got there in the end. Yeah, but it's fine. It's your husband's microphone, so we'll blame your husband. Is that okay? Absolutely, it's his fault well, completely. <laughs> sorted. Fantastic. So, yeah. So. We talked about doing this episode bef- for a couple of weeks because people don't know you really like Midsummer. Yes, and I don't. Yes. <laughs> okay, bef- before we get off the bat, that's the that's the the non-spoiler review. She likes it. I don't. Yeah. Um. So I thought it would be a good idea to kind of get two opposing views to kind of discuss it more than anything. Yeah, it um, makes for a good discussion, then, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. It'd be weird if we were both like, "Yeah, it's great." Yeah, I end. like this bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah so before we get going anyone listening i'm going to say straight away it is spoilers we're not doing a non-spoilers just spoilers 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 so you have been warned if you haven't seen midsummer but it's like several years old at this point go just go go watch it sort yourself out why are you watching this and not the film go do it um yeah so i usually kind of go through the plot a little bit and i'm guessing we'll, we should do that like bit by bit but i'm gonna ask you now when did you first watch Midsummer? Um, it was a good couple of years ago now. I didn't mm. get to go and see it at the cinema, mm. so missed it completely. Heard all of the hype around Ariasta, A24, Florence Pugh. Um, mm. So I think for the first time I watched it on Netflix when it was streaming on there on a complete whim, knowing nothing about it. Right. And instantly fell in love with it, and I've probably watched it 20 times now wow yeah <laughs> i mean i've watched it twice <laughs> that's yes. enough, that's enough. I watched, yeah i watched it once when it came out i actually um so my experience was i knew about it but uh, i didn't get a chance to see it and then i my brother bought me the blu-ray for my birthday okay and it was like the extended cut so with me i always go i watch the extended cut i always watch the yeah. extended so i watched the longer version of a film that i ended up not liking um so yeah, but I was like yourself, didn't really get to see it in the cinema, never really heard much about it. So kind of went in a bit blind. So but I think that's the best way to see this movie. If Agreed. you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Because I think A24 have this thing of trying to build up their films a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Like with Hereditary, I was yeah. placed an idea of what the film was going to be like in my head before I watched that. Same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the adverts were like, this is the next psycho. Yeah, they totally overhyped it. And then I was so mm. disappointed when I saw it at the cinema. But I've watched mm. it so many times since and really enjoyed it. Mm. So. Yeah, same. But I think that's why, it's one of the reasons why I kind of try to go into films blind. Yeah. My experience with this, it's just happened too many times. But I went into this blind. Um, right. Do you want to explain the plot or do you want me to explain the plot? Ooh. I think... I think you should explain it and I'll chip in <laughs> if you miss out any key bits or play it down too much. <laughs> okay. So it's like, so I'm just, so this is kind of like just this, the bare bones plot and yeah. then we'll get into it. So 
a young girl who has a, a massive tragedy in her family of her sister commits a murder suey yeah. on her and her and her parents. So she's basically left a sisterless orphan. Yeah. Um and she and her boyfriend at this time are having a lot of struggles. And this this incident occurs a year later. Is it a year later, I think? Uh, around about a year later. Around yeah. about yeah, That's give or take. Um her, her partner and his friends, they're all in university over there. Uh, they decide to take a trip abroad. Is it right? Because this is how much I remember of this because I don't like it. I always struggle. Is it Norway or is it Finland? Sweden. Sweden. One of them. Sweden, we got it now. <laughs> yeah. So they take a trip to, to Sweden to go to the Midsummer Festival. Yes. Which one of their friendship group from university is from yeah, that place yeah so he's bringing them home to meet his family essentially yeah which is basically when they get they travel over and they get there it's basically a commune yes that like lives in this place and it's got very set strict kind of rules that they're very open but they're also very strict about certain things at the same time it seems to be like a very not religiously kind of thing but more what's the word to look for? they're very set in their ways let's say it's all they, about tradition and stuff. Ancient traditions and yeah, they like to do. And from there, it all kind of starts to go wrong and fall apart. Yeah. Would you give that? That's the basic plot without spoiling it. That is a fair summary of it. Yes, you okay. did very well then, not to shit on it from above. Thank you very much. You know what? I won't. I try not to shit on anything. And I know. When we listen to other stuff, but I, I try and like go like, I did like this thing and I like this bit and I wanted to like it. Yeah. Exactly. And this film, it's overall, I didn't like the whole film, but there are, I get every film I see, there's bits in it that I do enjoy. Yeah, yeah, so I get that. It's, it's not that, but I think this one more than myself is because we've discussed in the past, I've got a bit of a history with, let's call them bad relationships. Yes, I understand. Yeah. So I think that's why I approached it from a, a lot of other people as well. I see it from a different point of view. Yes. And I think from my perspective, I think I kind of latched onto this film because I lost my mum 11 years ago. So like mm. feeling Danny's trauma through this film, totally mm. relatable. And and also coming from the same perspective as you, like we've all had really fucking shitty exes mm. and totally related to her relationship with Christian. Mm. So I was like, yeah, being there. Um, and they're just in a toxic relationship. They should they shouldn't be together. It's right at the end of the relationship. So yeah, I get it. and yeah, it's it's one of those where this shouldn't be happening, and this is the consequences of it carrying on. Yes, almost. But um, yeah. So like you said, it's an A twenty four film. So I hate this phrase, and it's classed as elevated horror. <laughs> You've taken that right out of the Scream franchise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you watch the the video I put up. Yesterday, yes, at the time of recording, it was yesterday that I put it up with Neil mm. uh, from Full of a Hover. We both talked about elevated horror. Yeah. And it seems like I saw a post about it after we spoke and it said, it's horror that people who don't like horror call horror that they like. That's, yeah, okay. I can kind so of see like, that. Oh, I don't like horror films, but I like this. It's, it's actually more of a thriller with horror yeah. in it. It's like, like film I, bros. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> that attitude, and I'm like, no, just, just call it a horror film. This is yeah. this. In we my... can all enjoy fucking horror. It don't make you any less of a person. Exactly, and I don't understand why people say they don't like horror because 
it is literally the biggest cinema, like chunk of Hollywood there is. Mm-hmm. It makes so much money. So people moan. I'm like, oh, I don't actually like horror. Yeah, yeah but you're happy watch Insidious nine times. Horror is the best. Exactly. Indeed. That we can agree on. <laughs> it's a good job seeing as I'm on your podcast. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> horror podcast. <laughs> be a little bit weird if you didn't Yeah, like it. exactly. <laughs> but this chair is going to click a lot. I've just realized it's going to be picked up. It's fine. Um, so, yeah. So you've come at it from an angle of like you're, you're relating to the loss of a parent and stuff like that, which this film has a lot going on in it. It's not just about the festival. No. Which, that's what they leaned on when they advertised it and talked about it. But there's a lot more behind the scenes. The, the, the Midsummer Festival is just the setting for everything else. And I still think that that's a really interesting setting because we don't really get many horror films that are set in pure daylight mm. where you can't really, like everything is shown. Typical horror films, you have stuff lurking in the shadows and stuff like that. Whereas there's very few scenes where it's dark in Midsummer, And when it is, it's not fully dark because of it being in Sweden and it being midsummer. So I find that quite an interesting just setting for the film because we haven't seen that before. Yeah. I mean, I like that's when I heard about that, I did like that aspect of it. And I'm I'm straight off the bat, I will say it's a very good looking film. Yes. The setting in the daylight, it could have been hit or miss. And it is very well done. I, I will give it that. It's it's a fantastic looking film. The daylight thing, it does give you a new spin on things. So it's it's a really good aspect of the film that that whole flipping it on its head, doing it in the daylight. Um, <laughs> there is yeah, yeah. There's a few scenes at nighttime, and so and that's when it's in America. It's usually nighttime. Yes. If you look at if you actually watch the film, I think, I think pretty much every scene in America is set at night. Yeah. And every other film, every other scene is in Sweden is in the daytime. Stark contrast between. Yeah. yeah. So it's I don't know what it's trying to say. Let's, might be trying to say something about that. I I read it as like it's a very stark contrast between the two. Like Danny's obviously in a very unfamiliar setting, and mm. she's completely exposed, and that's what the daylight shows compared yeah. to kind of being shrouded back in her home where she lives. Yeah, it's a good way. I never thought about that. So yeah, fair enough. There you go. Um, doesn't make me like it. I'm going to try so hard <laughs> to win you round to this film. <laughs> uh, please, please try and convince me. I will. <laughs> I, mean, I watched it again for this, for for this discussion. Like I said, I'd only seen it the once. Yeah. Um, and then I watched it again. I watched the normal version this time. Didn't watch the extended version. Extended cut, yeah. Yeah, I didn't need these extra three or four minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's the for one, I will give it that the opening is incredible of this film yeah it does set the tone for the next two hours Mm. very very well um did you know that the opening was coming not at all complete surprise and that hit me like a ton of breaks like for what i've explained like obviously loss of my mother it was massively triggering Mm. but it just sucked me in completely I just wanted to see where she was going to go next because all of the all of the trailers had been around being in Midsommar and the festival. So to start yeah. off with this horrific scene of her sister with the gas mask strapped yeah. to the car, that's awful. Um, yeah. And you see that face pop up a couple of times throughout the film. So it's like one of the hidden details. Yeah. Um, you see the sister's face in the shrubbery in the background and mm-hmm. the like, 
we can come on to that because there's so many little hidden gems throughout Midsummer that I love. But yeah, it yeah. is one of those where it plays on the idea that a lot of trauma is subconscious. Yes. Like even if you're not directly thinking about it, you your mind is aware of it throughout it's the whole thing. Reading in the background, yeah, yeah. And it's doing. And this is one of those films I've said it um, before when I was talking about. Ironically, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's a film about trauma. There was, there was, there's been about the last maybe five, ten years almost. A lot of films have used trauma as a trigger point mm. or a focus, and this is one of them that really focuses on trauma to kind of develop the story and to kind of push it along. And so the film, like you said before, it's not about Midsummer the Festival. It is about everybody's trauma. Yes. Completely. Not- and you see that in other films, don't you? Like Hereditary, mm. uh, another one of Ari Aster's, like films like Babadook, that's mm. all about like grief and emotional trauma. Mm. So I like, like where you refer to uh, these films as elevated horror, I see them as like emotional horror. Like yeah. they're not there to spook you, they're there to really leave you with something afterwards. Mm. And, and that's how I felt coming out of watching Midsommar. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I love films that do that, that mm. leave you with a sense of unease. Yeah. Because it's got in your mind going. I mean, they existed a long time before this term elevated horror kind Completely. of came about. I think one of the the ones that really sits with me that's that if it came out now would be classed as elevated horror it was eight millimeter. I don't know if you've seen that. I've never seen that, no. So it's about uh, so I won't spoil it here, but it's a film, uh, it's Nick Cage. He plays, uh, I think it's a private investigator. And um, a woman comes to him who's the widow of a very, very wealthy man. Mm. And she's been going through his things and she found a VHS tape in his possession uh, that was a snuff film. Okay. And she wanted to know if this was real or not. She didn't know why her husband had it. And Nicolas Cage kind of goes down this very dark path of discovering the seedy underbelly of pornography, basically. Right. And yeah. I mean, that's what a snuff film is. It's extreme yeah. pornography. And yeah, it's very dark and it leaves you at the end with a what the fuck is wrong with people <laughs> kind of attitude. And I kind of think that this kind of, and on a different reason, this kind of left me with that same kind of feeling. Mm. Even though I didn't enjoy everything about it, I did get Lincoln. that emotion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, we'll talk. So the opening scene, we've got. The girl, it doesn't actually kick in straight away with the suicide. It takes about 10 minutes to get there. It's slow burn, the whole film, yeah. really. Mm. Which is, it's, again, it's a good aspect of the film. It, it, I mean, I think it's just the subject matter that didn't resonate with me, but we'll see as we go on. But um, yeah, it starts off, it builds the characters. It sets up the relationships. It shows, I, I always forget the character's main name. I mean, El, everywhere character name, I actually. <laughs> Female character's main name. Danny. Danny. How my it's my name. I know. I should remember that. <laughs> I was thinking oh that. my god. So Danny is contacting her boyfriend who's out with his friends. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about how her sister is not talking to her, not leaving messages. Oh, my lights just turned off. Um, and not responding to her. And she then ends that conversation and she starts talking to her friend. And this talk, it's seeing both sides of someone in a relationship who yeah. wants their boyfriend to be there for them, but also realizes they might be being a bit too clingy. Yeah. But there's the reassurance from both sides. Her boyfriend's trying to be reassuring, 
and her friend is going like, well, he's supposed to be. He, ha- he he's doing that, but then you have his friends telling him like, dude, you're burnt out. Yeah, get rid of her. Get move on. Yeah. yeah. And then the big trauma happens of the the murder suicide, which is horrific. Even like it hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't see it coming. No. I, I knew something bad was going to happen, but I did not expect that. And yeah, that's kind of the trigger point for this whole thing. And then I say it's about nearly a year later. And the Danny and her boyfriend are still together. You know, they shouldn't be. It's clearly a trauma bond. Yeah. And he's basically trying to organize a trip with the guys to go to Sweden to go to this Midsummer Festival. Mm. And when I watch this, it's one of those where he tells her that, like, yeah, I'm going on this trip next week. We were talking about it. She's like, well, you didn't tell me you were going. So I did mention it to you. And then she kind of seems to invite herself. That's yeah. how it comes. But it's a it's, little bit. Yeah. It seems like it's just the natural progression of the conversation. Yeah. But yeah. So that's when I was watching it, that's how I saw it. Is like he's just trying to do something with his friends and he, he can't, he feels like he can't even do that. So I think- I think because if you watch that scene in isolation and you didn't have the context of the previous scene where he's sat with his friends discussing and they're all telling him to dump her and get rid of her, she's Mm. too clingy, and him kind of going along with it, like he's not really squashing it. He's not batting it away completely. He's kind of playing along with it a little bit. So I think if you didn't have that scene beforehand to show how he's feeling mm. then yeah i think it would look like she's completely invited herself let the dude go on a fucking break to sweden hello yeah. um but it definitely feels like he's purposely not told her because he wants to get away yeah. from her perhaps yeah and I, all her grief and her issues and her fucking trauma like bitch let me go have a holiday that's the feel like yeah am. yeah i mean yeah, so when I was like, yeah, she kind of invites herself, I feels like she's not directly doing it. And mm. then he feels guilty because she's so in front of him. She's in front of him yeah. saying this. So he does invite her. Yeah. Um, it's again, it's one of those, it's like a, a guilt back and forth kind of thing that's happening. It constantly happens between the two of them throughout the whole film. Yeah. There's this guilt back and forth where they just they they both clearly want something but they also want to make the other person better. But then it's just constant, this back and forth with their emotions. Yeah. yeah. So I think this is where like, start, I think this early is where it started to lose me personally. Okay. Um, it's because, and I, it's, it's more kind of sunk in at the end when we get to the end. So I'll talk about that when we get there. But um, so the, we'll cut bits out and stuff, because I always do this, because we don't need to know about the giant car ride that they go on trying to get <laughs> to Sweden. So they basically have this big trip, and then they get there. They get to midsummer. They find out there's literally no nighttime, and they're going to have to take sleeping pills to be able to sleep. Mm-hmm. And straight away, you can see Danny is very apprehensive about that little bit of information. And you can see she's struggling kind of from the off. Like Yeah. There's bits where she's like, well, I skipped over, they're on the flight over, she starts having panic attacks in the bathroom of the plane. Yeah, like she that. doesn't feel comfortable um, mm. doing the drugs. Like, the other guys are clearly there to have a good time and she's very apprehensive mm. and then kind of just goes along with it. Mm. Yeah, yeah they, they, uh, they are from all mushrooms when they get there. Is it yes. mushroom tea? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wants to do it. So this is another one where I was like, I've been in this situation and it kind of just like grated me. Obviously this is from my perspective where they're offered this drink, this mushroom drink. Everyone wants to take them, but Danny doesn't. Mm. And we know why Danny doesn't want to take it because she's still dealing with this stuff a year later. I always wanted to know what was she dealing with before? Because she was clearly struggling already before this murder series. So there's obviously a lot more. She makes reference, doesn't she, at the beginning where she's trying to get hold of her sister and just cannot get hold of her. Mm. And I think there's a line in there somewhere about her her sister doing something similar before or like there's something that suggests that this isn't out of the blue, this isn't out of character for the sister. Mm. So maybe it's just the fucking grief of having to deal with this sister who's clearly mentally unwell yeah and having suicidal tendencies perhaps yeah i think it's when she's talking to the boyfriend she says um this time feels different it's not like the other times where she's threatening this it feels different but now it says a lot has happened to this girl clearly but i said this is one of the things that great on me because she says she doesn't want to do the mushrooms Mm. which is fine and then the boyfriend says okay well i won't do them either in my view, that's like him trying to be like, I'm trying to be supportive here. I get it. I don't want you to be on your own. And then she feels like she's being pressured into taking the mushrooms. That's her reaction to that. So it's and like I think, again, this is where it shows that that relationship is just not working because they clearly yeah. both feel obligated to serve the other in some sort of way. Yeah, it's so toxic. Yeah. And there's a lot of guilt going on from either side. Like clearly mm. he was getting ready to dump her. Now he can't because, you mm. know, her family has just died. Mm. Um, so that's his obligation and guilt. And then for her, like she can clearly tell that he's wanting out of this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also needs him at the same time because... Now yeah. she doesn't have anyone else. And I think I think the way I saw it is she does, but she's just relying on this one person. Like yeah. where that friend from the beginning, where's she? Yeah. So I know a lot of people kind of I've spoken to about this and I I point out little things that I noticed. I think again it's because I notice them differently. Like if she's got she needs someone there, where's that one friend that was from the beginning that was on the mm-hmm. phone to her? Why is it all on this one guy? Like, speaking from experience, like, when death occurs to a close family member, Mm. it really shows the true colours of of those people around you. Like, some people will just avoid you at all costs. And you Mm. just think, I'm not going to break down in tears on you. Like, I'm okay. I'm dealing with it. You don't Mm. have to avoid me. Like, that, that kind of goes through in my head. Maybe where's the friend? Yeah, maybe. It's just one of them. It's like, it's just... I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I've always just wondered. I've, these all these little questions I've had in my head whenever I watch this. Yeah, him? why is he the most important thing? Why is it always him? So yeah, but we go on the festival and they kind of explain the festival and what's going to be going on after. But around the time when they're about to take this tea, they're just talking about the little things they're going to be doing. It's like, oh, we're going to have this, blah 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 blah. blah. You'll probably be explaining it a lot better than I can. <laughs> um there's yeah there's clearly a lot of traditions and they're shown around and like uh there's lots of murals like one of the one of the scenes that i really like is where they show uh the mural um Mm. at the start of the movie and that clearly lays out the plot but you don't realize that until you've watched the film and then go back to the beginning and watch it again yeah um yeah it's clear they're all there for a reason especially 
Danny. Yes. Because it's not just the guys that were like, oh, we've, she's going to have to come along. The Swedish guy seems to very much want her to be there. Completely. Pele had a plan all along. Mm. All fucking along. And essentially, this isn't a commune. It's a fucking cult. Yeah. Like, if you look at what goes on, it's blatant cult recruitment. And I think that's another yeah. reason why I find it fascinating. I find anything to do with cults fascinating. Because we all say, no, 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 I wouldn't get trapped into a cult. That wouldn't happen to me. <laughs> and this film does a really good job of showing how easy it can be. Like, yeah. you've got slow groom build, um, slow build grooming from Pele through the drawings and kind of she's clearly not feeling supported by Christian, so he's feeding on her trauma. There's yep. synchronised anguish when Danny's very emotional and all of the women flock around her. Yep. There's removal of individuality, like they're all made to wear these outfits and perform mm-hmm. tasks. Confusing punishments, like the guy who claps in Christian's face just randomly. Yeah. Um, and then all these different like appointed identities, like the May Queen and things like that. That's yeah. all cult recruitment. Oh, fuck yeah. And there's a really good scene, um, which we can talk about later. I'm sure we'll come on to it, where Christian runs into a shed and sees someone in there and get some powder blown in his face, which knocks him out. Mm. In the background, you can see fucking Pele peeking through the shed, like in a crack <laughs> in the shed. Like, you bastard, you knew this was going to happen. Yeah. So, it's, it's a lot of it, you watch it, and you feel like it seems like they're kind of just watching all of this unfold around them, like they're, yeah. they're observers, but they're not. They're in it. They just don't know they're in it. They don't know they're in the process. Yeah. And there's a lot of strange imagery in this, I, I found. So the dinner scenes, for me, I always found were very strangely cu- cu- curated because they set up on these tables. That are basically, they look like the Bluetooth symbol almost. Yeah. Um, but in the middle of the field, they don't, like, they've got all these huts and stuff, but they're never eating them. They're never really in them. There's a lot of these rooms that you're not allowed to go in. If you notice, there's, there's the places they sleep. But the amount of times it's like, oh, that's the place where you don't, we don't go in there. It's fine. We don't need to go in there. And this, this, um, so they have the mushrooms and everything, and they have the dinner scene, which has probably led up to one of the second most talked about scenes in this film. So they have the dinner scene, and at the head of the table, there's these two clearly older people. And they're eating, and halfway through, they kind of get up and start singing and talk. We don't know what they're talking about, we don't know what they're singing. I don't think I didn't watch with subtitles, but no subtitles come up anyway in the normal version. No, and that's done on purpose. So when mm. they're speaking Swedish, it's uh, not subtitled in English for us mm. because it's to ha- it's to make us feel isolated in the same yeah. way Danny does and the rest of the group. Yeah. So this when I watch a lot of this film is about isolation and feeling like an outsider. However, I won't. I'm not not spoiling it now but there's later on in the film where danny seems to be able to speak swedish and talk to everybody and she understands everything that everybody's saying just she just happens to know what everyone's talking about (laughs) so it's this outside of finding her place almost yeah yeah but anyway we get the scene so they're talking we're we the audience and the the characters they don't know what's coming but we get these two older people that 
it starts seem quite happy and cheerful and, and there's the, the, the conversation goes on that we don't know what's being said they're clearly not happy like they're clearly apprehensive about what's about to happen yeah i think they they accept it they look they're they're going through with it and they're very calm but if you watch yeah. them on their face it's not a happy look on their face i mean it's like if i was if I was to sign up to do a bungee jump, in my head, I'm like, I really want to do this bungee jump. But as soon as I get there, I'm going to go, fucking hell, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's how I see them. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of bungee jump. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it seems like in this cult, let's just call it a cult. Yeah. When you reach a certain age, you are not welcome anymore, for lack of a better term. So they have this ritual where they they have dinner and they clearly take something. The two older people, a man and a woman, clearly take something. And everyone's taken to a cliff edge. Like they're at the bottom of the cliff and there's this quite high cliff or whatever it is. And the two older people go to the top. We don't still don't know what's going on. And a very traumatized girl is stood there. Hey, what's going on? And next thing we know, an old woman jumps off the cliff. Yeah. 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 Face first, goodbye, human pizza. Yeah. And it's this, and I, I, I remember watching it. I didn't recognize, realize this the first time I watched it, but the sound completely dips and you just get this ringing sound. It's very muffled and you get every type of reaction that you possibly would get from a person throughout our characters. You get one person who's just stunned shock. One person starts crying, another person starts freaking out and being angry. And, Rightly yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Completely. They, but it's one of them. And there's there's people in this cult telling them that this is normal. Which it's not. No. <laughs> it's not normal. <laughs> to, to us. Yeah. To us. Danny and Christian and everyone. Yeah. yeah. And we then get the scene that I mean, this is the scene overall that people talk about, like the second one, but the the high point of this scene where the old man then jumps off the cliff and i've never understood this he goes feet first i mean you had one fucking job you know what you're gonna do <laughs> and you decide to puddle jump off the top of a cliff yeah come on i know and you get this shot you hear everyone shocks noises and screams and it the camera's looking at his face and it just pans down and you see his twisted, fucked up legs. Yeah. And it's grim. Yeah. I mean, clearly, whatever they were taking it was probably like a pain relief or something. Yes. Yeah. Just in case this happened. And there's one thing I thought about this scene, like you might have a different perspective on it than me. I've always wondered because Danny has such a visceral reaction to this. She's clearly traumatized as fuck about what she's seeing, but she doesn't leave. No. And I've never understood why she doesn't leave. I take it as people react in different ways to mm. shit happening in front of them. You've got fight, flight, or freeze, haven't you? Mm. Um, and I think she's freeze. She's mm. just frozen. Mm. It's like when you're driving along the motorway and there's a really bad car crash and you don't want to look, but also you just can't <laughs> take your eyes away from it. Yeah. It's kind of like that. And where is she going to run to? Like, yeah, she can run out of the scene and everything, but she's clearly feeling unsafe and shaken and mm. trying to process what's happened in front of her. Yeah. Piled on top of the shit she's already going through. 
Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those, it could be any of those things, but as the film goes on, as you said, like the, there's, there's all this imagery that goes on throughout the film about other stuff. This keeps popping up in her mind as well. Yes. Like, this flashes back in her mind. Like she's just, She has nightmares throughout the film and she sees this, especially the, the bit that we haven't talked about with the guy, he's lying there and to put him out of his misery, <laughs> it's a giant wooden mallet yeah. on his face. And yeah. he smashes his face. face. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's great. Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. It's an excellent scene. (laughs) And he smashes his face in. Um, Yeah, and yeah, so she kind of gets that image in her head over and over again, like three or four more times throughout the film. I mean, the one thing I can think of when I think about this is she's been surrounded by death so much, but she's never seen it. So yeah. maybe seeing it actually in person is more like of a cathartic process for her, almost, which is why she might not have walked away. That's, that's a only, great way of seeing it. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. It's why she keeps dreaming about it, but she never tells anyone that she's dreaming about it. No. And it's not that that upsets her. Like She sees other images that make her cry and make her upset throughout the film, but that doesn't. Uh, that's the one thing I can think of. Yeah. I do like the way in which they describe uh, so the Haga, the the, the cult, mm. um, when everyone's clearly very upset as to what has just happened. Mm. Uh, I can't remember if it's Pele or one of the others describes it as seasons of life. Mm. So is it in like 18 year chunks? And Something so like have, that. Yeah, you have up to 18, which is the spring, and that's when you learn. You have 18 to 36, which is when you go out and you work and stuff like that like I really like the thought behind that Mm. and that's that explains from the cult's perspective why those two people have just jumped but still doesn't make it any easier for us to process like what the fuck no it's yeah and it's it is I'll I'll give it this though especially the practical effects that they use are fantastic in this yeah throughout the whole film it's very practical heavy which I really always appreciate yeah it looks great yeah. Um, there's some characters we haven't talked about yet, but over the next few scenes are kind of more of the focus. Yeah. So we've got the the typical dude bro. Mark. Mark, yes. who wants to get laid. Yeah. <laughs> and he's constantly talking about getting laid. Um, there's the other student, I can never Josh. remember. Josh, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> who's there academically he wants to study these people and he's he's gotten permission to be able to do this and so i mean i think it's just five that have come from over the u.s you've also got connie and simon who another cult member has brought over from london as Mm. well who kind of joined the group for a period of time yeah and this is where we start seeing conflicts from in within the group because the boyfriend, I've forgotten his name already. Uh, Christian. Christian, thank you. You have to keep you'll have to I'll keep, keep doing that. <laughs> I say this every single episode. I have ADHD. I don't remember I names. Know. <laughs> I, I also like have I... notes in front of me, Dan. So. Oh thank God. <laughs> so I've got all of I've got us and everything in front of me. Yeah. So if you've got the notes, that's great. That's you can okay. be the note keeper. Brilliant. And um, yeah, Christian and Josh have a conversation around this point after that incident. Because Christian didn't know what he was going to write his dissertation on. No. And he decides to copy Josh's idea. Yeah, dick move. Yeah, 
and there's something we haven't talked about with Josh as well that he is black. Yes. And he does mention that. Do you know how hard it is for a, a black man to raise academically? How much I had to fight for this, and you're going to sweep in? It's like you're trying to take over the as white a black man. Yeah. yeah. And there's that conflict there that again we haven't spoken about yet. And again, it is Josh is a black man in a very white community at the moment. Like they're Swedish, so they're all white. That's just yeah. how it is. Yeah. And you can see that he's worried that they're going to talk to Christian more because he's white. So he feels like he has to fight harder for what it yeah. is he actually wants. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not subtextual at all. It is blatantly stated in the film that this is like a, a, a black on white kind of conflict that is happening between those two. And in this situation, that that's how Josh feels about this. Yeah, rightly so. Yeah. Yeah. Rightly. And that it's it's not a lie. Let's face it, it's no. not a lie. Um, and it is a fucking dick move that Christian pulls. And this is where, I mean, I, I didn't exactly like Christian. No. When, I mean, I can't, but I related to some of the situations that he'd put in. When he did this, I went, nah, he's a dick. Yeah. yeah he's, a, he's, a, he's a dick. Yeah. Completely. Like, I, I would have reacted the same way that Josh had. Regardless of bringing uh, the race issue into it, like if one of my friends copied me on something that I'd worked really hard for, exceptionally hard, I'd go, you fucking what? Like yeah. that that'd make me want to tear it all up and do something <laughs> else completely. Yeah. I mean rather like than share it. Yeah. I mean, we haven't spoken about this, but you have recently started selling art. Yes. And so it's it's the situation of is if I all of a sudden went, Oh, I'm gonna do art too. I'm gonna yeah. sell it exactly like you did. I'm just gonna do it slightly differently. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I'd, I'd rip up my drawings and just do something <laughs> completely wildly different. I'd just draw a load of penises and go, all right, copy them then. <laughs> I mean, I am a 35-year-old man. Yes, yeah, so you do Of course, I will anyway. draw penises. <laughs> what am I going to do with most of my time? There's a piece of paper in here that doesn't have a penis drawn on it. Doodles. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's it's that. It's, it, you can see that there's conflict building within the group because at first they're all quite tight-nicked bar Danny. Danny's the outsider. And now everyone's kind of drifting apart, this conflict that's being pushed between them. And it's one of those where I've always thought, was this always going to happen? Or is it because they are here at this Midsummer Festival and are, there's more coercion going on? There's almost like there's an underbelly of a split is, is almost being done on purpose. Yeah. Because they do all split and people start going missing after this point. Yes. I think it's the... Is it the so you talked about the other two that were brought over by somebody else? They go missing around yeah. this point. They were told that they were the some is it one of them? I can't remember. Simon, who said. Simon goes missing, uh, and Connie's clearly looking for him. So this isn't too long after the cliff jump scene because yeah. they are both like, No way, we're well, out. Not yeah, they want to leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one of the elders from the cult tells Connie, Oh. He's already gone. Like we've taken him to the train station. Uh, mm. We can take you. Our truck can only take one other person. Blah blah blah. All this bullshit. Mm. And we find out later that that's not actually the case. And unfortunately, both Connie and Simon have been killed yeah. um, in really interesting ways. So, um, like side note, completely. I love the deaths in Midsummer. Mm. Um, so taking out the elders who mm. have jumped to their own deaths. You've kind of got um, five key people that are mm. killed 
our main characters, Christian in the bear suit. Like massive spoiler alert, but spoiler one of the best alert, scenes yeah. in the film. <laughs> Again, if you haven't seen it, it's on. It's Not on sure. so many. T- it's on t-shirts and everything. Yeah. I think you own a t-shirt with it on. I'm sure I you do. do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I own two. Oh, um, and then you've got so you've got Josh, so our academic, and we see um we see him get beaten over the head, and then later mm. on we see his foot sticking out of the soil with a rune on it, um. Yeah. You've got Mark, who uh, is killed by fire. So he's flayed, his skin is removed, and it's stuffed with hay because hay burns quicker. You've got Connie, who uh, we see her waterlogged body being taken to the shed at the end, which is set on fire. And then you've got Simon, um, who is not killed immediately, but we see him being tortured via the use of a blood eagle and then killed with the fire at the end. So he's being kept alive with this fucking blood eagle, old school shit. But those those four deaths, Josh, Mark, Connie, and Simon, absolutely rec- like represent the elements. Hmm. So Josh is earth, foot sticking out of the earth. Mark is fire, burned with all the hay. Connie yeah. is water, waterlogged body. And Simon is air because of the blood eagle. I think hmm. that's such an absolute gem in the film. Yeah, it's and again, again, one of the aspects I really do is these interesting, clever ways that they do kind of often one by one. Mm. And it is that it's it's the gaslighting around the deaths. Yes. That 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 is the the more I don't know why I find that more unsettling than the deaths themselves. Yeah. It's they're trapped in this community and they're clearly surrounded by people who are coming off as very friendly and nice, but they're killing them off one by one for various reasons. And they're just saying, oh, they're, they're fine. They've just they've just nipped into the train station. We'll come back and get you and then take them. And they're waiting for you there. Like, don't fucking lie to me. You can see him going, like, what, why would they do that? They, they ask him over and over. They're like, why would someone do that? Why would they do that? Can't, why why yeah. would my boyfriend leave without me? Without even telling me? Not even discussing it with me? Like, oh, because he was in a rush. Like, No, that's not how people work. No, <laughs> not at all. I mean, yeah, so we get that, and that's, that's when all these deaths start happening right after that. The the is it so Josh's death, and I really like that death. Me too. Because it lingers. So he mm. gets that because there's the like I said before, there's buildings where you can't go in, and there's a building with a book in it. There's yeah. like a, a book on a shrine. And Josh sees someone go in there and he thinks it's who, Mark. Mark, there you go. Yeah. I was going to say Neil then. Neil. Thinks it's Mark. I don't know. I've got Neil on the brain. <laughs> we can thinks add a Neil it, in. Yeah, thinks it's Mark. And he goes, he's like, Mark, you can't be in here. What are you doing in here? And then smack around the back of the head. It's someone wearing Mark's skin. Yes. <laughs> that's why he thinks it's Mark. And I was like, fuck, that's pretty brutal. And then it just focuses on Josh on the ground, struggling. Twitching, yeah. Yeah, twitching. And I can never figure out who's moaning. Is it Josh or is it the person wearing Mark's skin? I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, the elders talk about um, having these people who write in these tomes. Mm. like, um, And they're purposely inbred, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they they see them as being able to operate on a higher plane and we interpret what this guy means through his scribbles essentially it's scribbles he ain't writing shit no (laughs) clearly 
um, mentally handicapped. Yes, Let's clearly. Yes. This I remember from the advertising, I didn't see it much. I mean, I saw a little bit that what that very inbred person was prominent in the advertising. Yeah, but features very little in the film. Yeah, barely in the film at all, like yeah. a couple of minutes at most. And even yeah. the bit where you do see him, because there's a bit where like the, the, like they put the, they wipe a hand bloody handprint on him, one of the shrines. That's in the trailer, so you've seen it. You've seen the exact thing that happened. Yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah, um, so that happens. Mark obviously got murdered because he's a horn dog, and they and they're all getting killed for different for for, for reasons why they're there. So Mark is there because he wants to get laid. Yes, and he's being disrespectful. He, pe- he goes and he... pees on the elders' tree where they yeah the he pees on a gone. yeah he pees on a tree and he didn't know I didn't know it was a sacred tree like everything here is sacred. Yes, face Pay it. Attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just you're not paying attention, and you just just fucking listen up instead of looking at the women. Okay, <laughs> just oh, come on. And so that's why that happens to him. And then Josh, I think. Because he is there to learn about them, and he's probably learning a bit too much. He's taking pictures, isn't he, of mm. the books and the content? Yeah. Of it. yeah, he's not supposed to. They did say like there's certain there's certain lines we don't want you to cross, and he does that kind of shit. And it's again, it's a disrespect thing. Yes, like if you're respectful, you'll be fine. It seems, and that's where Connie and Simon meet their demise. Is mm. the way that they reacted to that cliff jumping scene. They want out. They're not yeah. willing to understand where the court members are coming from with this. No. That's disrespectful to them. Yeah. They like I think he was the one who had the very angry reaction. Yes. Um, he was like grabbing one of them. He was like pulling him. He was trying Pointing to push and, and yeah. like screaming at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you and all this stuff. And like, yeah. So yeah. And so it's all about respecting that they're happy to have you there if you are respectful. I think which is a, a lesson that every fucker should learn. Yeah, completely. Be respectful <laughs> and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Like I've been talking, I talked about this on, on previous episodes, but like I've had people approach me to just say shit. And I'm just like, what benefit has that done for your day? Leave me. No. The, I'm, I'm going to be angry at you now because you've been a dick. <laughs> like that. I mean, I mean, I think they go a bit. Don't be a dick. No, don't be a dick. I think they go a bit far with it. Yeah. But <laughs> you don't have to murder people. No, true. But even in the past, me and you have had our disagreements because we see something from a different perspective. Absolutely, yeah. We talk it out, and we and we 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 you know we figure it out as adults. Yeah, it's and respect thing. And respect grows as a result. Yeah. From that, like, if you're able to put yourself in the shoes of someone else, hmm. then respect will naturally grow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's a massive thing with cultures. Yeah. And so I've I've. I've not been abroad a load of times, but whenever I'm abroad, I try and respect other people's cultures and things. And some people don't. I no. think I think there is a kind of an allegory of Americans tend not to respect other people's cultures as a stereotype. Yeah. I'm not saying all Americans do that. I do have American listeners. I swear to God, I'm not saying it's you. We love you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, British people do it as well. We'll go yeah. to Spain and be like, where are your chips? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and take tea bags with us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I've, like I said, I, I've recently stopped working at a cafe. But um, I know people within there would say, like, oh, yeah, we're going to such and such in Spain because they've got loads of Brit- 
loads of British restaurants. They've got and, a Red Lion pub yeah. banging. <laughs> honestly, honestly, it's not, you can get a proper English breakfast. We'll stay and in England. And a Sunday then. roast. <laughs> <laughs> stay in England then. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's all of these deaths are around disrespect. I think this is why Danny is kind of welcomed into the community more than anything because she is respectful along the way mm. throughout the whole thing, even though she's struggling. When she has panic attacks, when she is like, she goes somewhere else. She doesn't yeah. do it in front of everybody. She doesn't burden it on everybody else. She doesn't take it out on everybody else. Except I think there's one conversation that she has uh, with her boyfriend at one point. Is this in the extended version? Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, said, I didn't notice it in the in the version I watched, but in the extended version, there is a bit where they kind of have a conversation to one side. And I've already forgotten his name, the boyfriend. Christian. Christian. Thank you. He <laughs> um he kind of calls her out and tells it like it is. I think this is why when I watched it the first time, I did resonate with him on in parts. And there was this conversation that happens in there. So it's a shame that it's not in the normal version. Yeah. Because he does kind of say, look, I am burnt out. And I you you were putting everything on me. Like I've got my own life too. Yeah. And it's bullshit that you keep doing it and you don't see that I need time as well. Yeah. And so I think that's maybe why I kind of resonate with him a little bit on that aspect. Everything else, he's an asshole. Yeah. But um, there's, there's the opposite side of that that's in the film and this normal version where he's now all of a sudden kind of, you know, decided to do this dissertation and he's talking to one of the elders and Danny walks up and is like, such and such is missing, like, and, and this is going on, like, I'm really struggling. He's like, yeah, 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 okay. And then he carries on talking to the elder about the yeah, about the cult. And it just slowly zooms in into her face, going like, the fuck? Like, and, and in the extended cut, she has a very direct conversation with Christian as well, yeah. to be like, do you see what is happening here? Yeah. This is bullshit. And she very clearly wants to leave. Like, she's begging him to leave. Yeah. And he's like, no. I am here to do my thesis yeah. and of like, you might not agree with it, but you can go home. Yeah. It's a very strange one to actually think about it. Um, and I kind of always struggled with what's under their control and what's not. It's very hard to kind of figure out. Don't worry. I will edit this by the way. It's fine. I can hear you now. I can hear you now, yeah. I'll edit. I'll edit, don't worry. I was going to like overlay scenes from Midsummer and everything anyway. So I can I can edit all this, so don't worry cool. about that. But yeah, like I was saying, I always wondered, because it's the case of can she leave or actually can't she leave? Because she has the option to leave on her own, but it doesn't seem she wants to leave on her own. No. So it's always the question of what is under their control and what isn't throughout the whole film and again that's another cult thing it's completely. the, the, the delusion of control completely and i think she doesn't want to leave because that would probably be the first time that she is truly alone so i imagine since her parents and her sister's death hmm. she we do get the impression she's latched on to christian she's actively avoiding being alone 
And yeah. I think that's why she doesn't go home because she'll be on her own. Yeah. And when she's on her own, she'd have to deal with it. Yeah. I've always thought throughout this whole time that like, this is a normal thing. She hasn't dealt with it throughout the whole time. It's crushing her, but she just hasn't dealt with it. And I've, uh, I've I mean, when I talked about Mathrigan, <laughs> I mean, as, bad, as bad as that film is, there is a moment where um, the two char- two tar- characters talk, and one person says, "Like when I have this distraction, I don't have to think about my emotions." So, but you have to think about the emotions because you're never going to get past them if you do. And I feel like that's what Danny has done this entire year gap or whatever it is. She has just lent on Christian to make her feel better in the moment. Yes. Never dealt with it. Rather than facing into what yeah. what she needs to. Yeah. And I've been there. I've openly talked about my mental health a lot. Um and, and I have I've had uh and I had a nervous breakdown last year and I had to sit down and face the last few years of stuff that I'd gone through and the way it was making me act towards people and the and the bad behavior it was doing. Like that's why I said I resonated with it when yeah. I first, I didn't realize at the time, but now I'm past that and I'm working on those things. I understand why. And so I get it. I get that that's why she's not doing. However, it is fucking annoying to watch. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, God. I was, it's, it's two hours of people that are just awful people being really sad and angry and being dicks all the time. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's infuriating. But maybe that's the emotion I'm supposed to be feeling. Yeah. And that's fine. Um. From here, we kind of like the the deaths and thing happen quite quickly, because there's a lot of a lot of build up to the 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 horror to actually begin, and then there's about twenty minutes or so where they all happen all at once, and then we get the start of the festival, which yes. is like the last forty minutes of the film. Yeah, it's. I mean, conceived what we said didn't we it's a very slow burn film and then everything's kind of packed into that third act yeah uh, which i quite like in a film sometimes like it gives chance for to get to know your characters and stuff like that but it is full on when we get to the point of the festival yeah and i think well in a film called midsummer you you expect to see the midsummer festival yes (laughs) but i just don't think because of the way the film is, and there is no proper night scenes. There is scenes where they go to sleep, but there's no proper night scenes. So you're not getting that. How how many days has it been? How long is it actually going on? It's dinner time or breakfast time or whatever it is again. Adds to all of the confusion that they're feeling and isolation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the festival is starting. They're having dinner like they had a, a couple of times already in the film, but we don't realize as the audience that this is the start of the festival which starts very oddly with a man eating pubic hair. Um, <laughs> pubic pie. <laughs> yeah, he has pubic pie. Um, <laughs> and that's how it starts. They're all sat around having dinner. And we don't realise that throughout the whole film, choices have been made for them. People have been picked out. Things have been laid in place. And this is when we discover that all this stuff has been laid in place. So you get a dinner happening. Christian eats his dinner and finds hairs in it. And did you see his drink as well? Yeah, it's not a normal Great drink. Blood. Yeah. yeah, it's not good. Pink uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Think> lemonade. <laughs> oh, lovely. I mean, I think you'd figure it out if you're taking a sip. Like, 
depends what the actual drink tastes like. I don't know. I mean, to be to be able to put off that the taste of blood, it'd probably have to be, I don't know, like science pure lava. I don't know. It's just some this like I don't know. Just the strongest alcohol. We just put we just put ethanol in there. And yeah. bl- that's how you didn't taste it. <laughs> I, you, even though you'd be like, "This is a bit." So there's pubes in my. Tastes like pennies. <laughs> yeah, there's pubes in my pie, and this tastes like pennies. What the fuck? <laughs> Everyone else has got Lucas Aid. I've got pube juice. <laughs> that's going to be the tagline. I've got pube juice. <laughs> <laughs> Please make sure it is. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I've been taking little snippets and doing YouTube shorts. That's that's the short right there. I've got pugies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so it all starts off like basically he gets drugged. You know, like you can tell, like because he starts freaking out at dinner. Everyone starts kind of being mean to him. He sat there, and you don't know if that's his perception or if that's what's actually happening. Because yeah. he leans over and goes like, "What the fuck is going on?" And someone shouts at him. He's like, "Oh shit!" And he starts getting really cowardly for the first time physically yes. I mean, he's, mentally he's a he's been a coward throughout the whole film yeah but physically his, his cowardice is starting to come out and then you've got the opposite side of danny has again been drugged and she's kind of dressed in all the garb and again she's in the outfit so you kind of go oh she's been indoctrinated into this cult and she's having the best time and I think this this section of the film is where we do start to see things from their perspectives. Mm. Um, I like that it throughout the film, if you look in the background, you can see the trees and the sky kind of swirling and moving. And that mm. usually indicates that our lead characters are intoxicated in some way, shape or form. And you see that throughout this entire um, third act. And mm. I think you're right that when Christian's feeling very um, sheepish and uncomfortable, that's probably the drugs making him feel that rather than outwardly what he's actually experiencing. And the same goes for Danny. Like she, she feels uh, she ends up feeling very confident. And you mentioned earlier about her being able to speak Swedish suddenly. I don't think she can. I think it's just talking absolute batshit and thinking that it's Swedish. Yeah. Or they're just talking English or yeah. and that's what's happening in their heads. Yes. And so it kind of escalates and we find out that Christian has been selected to mate with a female. And this is kind of one of those like we're seeing the whole point of the festival now. The reason why they brought outsiders here. Because they mentioned it earlier in the film, like it's a very small community, and there's so we kind of we if we want to breed, we might bring people in. So but they're very selective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not just about oh, you know, we want to help keep this place healthy. It's like no, this is our tradition, and this is a a cult thing again. That it's very selective few. <laughs> and it's yeah, this line will always sit with me talking about the pupae because she goes like, "You've been selected for breeding. How do you feel about that?" And such and such is very fond of you, and he just goes. I think I ate one of her pubes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Why are you so calm about this? Yeah. (laughs) That's what you're focusing on. A pube stuck in your teeth. Like, come on, dude. We've all been there. Like, don't (laughs) focus on that. (laughs) Grow up. We've all had pubes stuck in our teeth. Grow up. (laughs) (laughs) We're all adults. Yeah, it's fine. But it's just the whole, like, not, I mean, he's, supposedly trying to learn about this culture and he's not going 
I've been selected for what? <laughs> with who? Yeah, what why of high? Why of high? What makes me special? And we find out it's he's not special, um, really. No. Um, but so this is happening, and while that's happening, um, Danny is involved in a Maypole kind of situation where they're dancing around this pole, and they're all everyone's clearly intoxicated in this scene. All, all the women that are dancing, anyway. Yes. Yeah. All the women that are dancing are clearly intoxicated. They're all dressed the same. They're all in the in the white outfit with the floral headdress, and. It's just her and one other person after a little while. And that's when the Swedish kind of conversation happens. And then this other girl falls down and it's Danny's the one left standing. She just thought she was dancing and having a good time. And all of a sudden. She's the May Queen. She's the May Queen. Yeah. Everyone's like, May Queen. And she's like, what? What the fuck's that? What's happening? <laughs> and I, I don't get it. Um, And it kind of swaps between Christian and Danny at this point. It's the the juxtaposition almost of the, the two ends because he's in a very dark room at this point then. And everyone's kind of celebrating uh, Danny and saying, oh, yeah, they dress her up and they, they put her on a big chair and kind of like thrown her almost. And he is stripped to complete, he's completely naked in a very dark room with the woman who's pubes he ate. There's no other way to put it. No. And a couple of other women, including the el an elder woman and some other younger women. And he's, for lack of a better phrase, he's forced to have sex with her. Yeah. Not only is he intoxicated, which straight away, you know, he's probably not his right mind, but they fit when as the drug gets more and more effective into him. He, he, you notice he can't move. He starts to lose mobility, and they physically force him. Yeah, they push him, don't they? Yeah, they force him to have sex with. It's another thing that I was like, oh, this is very uncomfortable as a man to watch. And and um, I think like I'm with you on this. Like even from the female mm. perspective, like this absolutely could be classed as rape. There is no oh. real consent there from him because he is intoxicated. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's not consent. I think it's one of those where does he actually understand what's happening? And it's yeah, it's kind of that very harsh situation. But then again, that those lines are supposed to be blurred. Yes, you're not supposed to know if if this is consensual or not. And clearly, it's something that maybe he wanted to do for a very long time was be with another woman. But I mean, probably not with not, like not ten in, other women around him singing. Yeah. And, <laughs> The weirdest part of this is that they love doing things in unison in this yes. cult. <laughs> is that, that again, the lack of a better language, the woman starts coming and the other women join in. Join in. But in like harmony. So it's a really weird, it's like, it's like a cum chorus. It's really weird. <laughs> it, it is. And it's like, there's a, there's a bit of it that's kind of beautiful, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't be able to perform if I was a bloke in that situation. There's yeah. no way. I'd be as soft as a cold sausage roll. Like, it's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> oh, I have so many quotes. I'm going to put on things. Uh, but, yeah, my, now whenever it's cold, I'm, I'm soft as a cold sausage roll. <laughs> <sighs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's that group thing as well. Like, Danny seems to be 
I don't know what's going on here with your thing. Very much oh. in, on the camera. There you go. There. Fixed it. Thank you. Um, I'm such a noob at this. <laughs> I am too. Don't. I. I don't. The 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 the, the audio and visual quality. Don't know how. Just just yeah. Don't. A complete makeshift setup going on here. Yeah, like... it's like my bed, and <laughs> so much. What you can't see is like all the remotes are like right here. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm like sat cramped. It's great. I've got a pink, a pink octopus. Like oh, a octopus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've everything's just like shoved over there. Um, but yeah, so that's happening. So he's in this situation where it's quite awful to kind of watch almost. And then again, you're getting the 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 opposite side of Danny is having the best time, even though she doesn't understand what's going on. No. They're praising her, they're raising her up, they're dressing her up more, they're putting on a chair, they're celebrating her. And it feels like in, in this society, maybe women are more revered in this yeah. cult. And celebrate, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I get that impression. Yeah, and that's it's a great thing, and I think this is kind of what she needed from for her trauma. She needed to be more celebrated than talked down to or told. Because if you notice, when Christian, the way he talks to her is like, "Oh, maybe you're overreacting, or maybe you should think about it before you do it. Don't don't worry about it." And that's a lot of the kind of responses that she gets from a lot of people. And the other thing of like when she's talking to a friend at the start, friends like, yeah, he should be supporting you. He should be doing this. Like, but you're not you're not celebrating her in any way. You're not lifting her up. You're telling no. her that she's got to rely on other people a lot or calm the fuck down. Which always works when you tell someone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's worked multiple times on Yeah, me. Just calm the fuck down. It's fine. Oh yeah, don't just don't worry about I've got an anxiety disorder. People say to me, I'll try not to stress. Same. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, I'll just don't, don't stress I'm, about it. Just I'm don't pure. think about it. Do you know yeah. how anxiety works? <laughs> don't think about yeah. it. I I literally can't not think about it. It's it's it's. It, now you've said that, I'm thinking about it twice as hard. Yes. Yeah. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> and like, I had a panic attack not long ago, and when I start to get really panicky, I develop a stutter, and. It's like I mean that's why I say um a lot as well because I have to think about what I'm going to say. And it gets really bad. And then, so that makes it even worse. You're trying to explain to people why you're stammering. And then people keep talking over you and asking you questions. You're like, just. You just want to close up completely at that yeah. point. Surely. Like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm just going to sit in the corner. It's fine. Um. Anyway, we digress. But um. yeah, so this is where the kind of the, the when I said there's two main scenes that people talk about in this film, there's the cliff scene is the second most talked about. And then there's this one which is the big climax of the film that everybody loves that I will have opinions on when we get there, <laughs> um, which is throughout the film, obviously we've had the deaths happen and we've had Christian and we've had this laid out to us, that this is going to happen at the festival on the mural that we talked about, but we just didn't yes. see it. So we have our May Queen. She is now celebrated and revered. And how do they celebrate the, the dawning of the new May Queen? sacrificing people sacrifice human sacrifice good old human sacrifice (laughs) um now i think you probably have a more love for this scene than me so if you want to go through it from your perspective and i'll go through it on mine i will and i think i might end in a way that links quite nicely onto your perspective because i do have mixed feelings about this scene so visually 
what happens is absolutely incredible. Mm. Like, first of all, starting with Danny's outfit with yeah. her huge flower crown and this huge flower dress. That is so beautiful just oh. to look at. Yeah. Um, really aesthetically pleasing. Um, and even just like the symmetry of the yellow hut shed, like ritual shed. I don't know what the fuck it is. Like they didn't get from the hut. We'll call it the hut. Yeah. The hut. The hut. Not to be confused with Pizza Hut. Absolutely not. Not sponsored in any way by Pizza Hut either. Other pizza no. makers are available. <laughs> I mean, if, if 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 any pizza makers want to sponsor me, that's absolutely fine. I'll eat all of your pizza. I'll eat pizza. I've got pizza tonight. Can't wait. There you go. Yeah. Um. So initially, it starts off with what seems like uh, we've got the offerings of the different people, and everyone is thanked for bringing different people to Midsummer this year. Mm-hmm. Um. I can't remember the name of the guy who brings um the two people from London, Connie and Simon, but they're mm. thanked, and then Pele is thanked for bringing our new may queen mm-hmm. uh, into the cult as well uh then there's like a bit of a bingo uh so let's tumble around some balls and see who else could potentially be offered up and sacrificed yeah so they need to fill the they need that many they've people. got a quota haven't they yeah. and they um, haven't filled it this year even though they had a bunch of people that they could have used yes they, they skimmed one it. of them peeing on a tree <laughs> Um, and it's at this point that Danny has a decision to make. So mm. she can either choose uh, one of the members of the cult who has put themselves forward, um, or she can choose Christian, and yeah. she chooses Christian. Yeah. Um, and he is at this point, uh, he's just in the wheelchair, isn't he? He's he's in a yeah, wheelchair. He's, he's been yeah. incapacitated. Uh, incapacitated i don't know what incapacitated he um <laughs> he's he is completely still he is he in is. the chair he's yes he's sitting and watching um yes. and yeah she selects him and yeah. he's then taken off and sewn into a bear suit which again is horrific but really visually pleasing because we see the mm. bear at the beginning of the film and now we know uh you've referred to Chekhov's gun like this definitely Chekhov's bear yeah. uh, oh you've listened yeah great <laughs> yeah I, I love a Chekhov's gun yes it, it annoys me to hell when they don't say uh, when they uh, when especially I don't know what it is but about horror films if you show a wood chipper I swear to god if you do not you use that wood chipper use it. Yeah. I don't care if we've seen wood chipper deaths before <laughs> use the goddamn wood chipper we want it's it. happening yeah we all want a good wood chipper death best wood chipper death ever is um is it Tuckerdale versus evil that's the <laughs> best wood chipper ever yeah. I will talk about that on this show at one point <laughs> that is the best wood chipper death but anyway Agreed. you carry on sorry <laughs> Um, essentially everything is leading up to all of these uh, sacrifices being taken to the sacrificial yellow shed which Mm. is then set alight Um, so we see uh, Mark who has been skinned and he's stuffed with this hay he's got a jester hat on he kind of looks like a scarecrow Mm. Um, and if you go back and watch the film when they're in Mark's apartment talking about the trip to Sweden there is a picture of a scarecrow on the wall there is also a toy scarecrow mm. and when they arrive at midsummer the kids are playing a game and it's called skin the fool so there's like just these little things that are foreshadowing mark's mm. death which i think is quite cool um 
Connie, Simon, some of the others, and Christian bang smack in the middle in his bear suit. And it is set on fire, the shed, and it just yeah. looks so beautiful from a cinematography perspective. Oh, yeah, from a cinematography, it's the symmetry of the shot. It's beautiful of it. The thing is that the shot itself of the of the shed burning or the hut. I, I even went off the thing we said we'd say. The pizza hut. The yes. pizza hut. When we watch the pizza hut burning, um, it's not that imagery that sticks with me. Damn. To me, it's not even it's 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 the inside because it shows everybody inside. And it's again the perspective of control and what actually people have in this. Mm-hmm. The two people, I think it's two villagers end up going in and they're both given they said they're given something to drink yes and they said if you drink this or whatever or even said you won't feel any pain mm-hmm. but you can't move you won't feel anything but you can't you can't move but you won't feel anything you're fine and it doesn't burn like straight away it's a slow thing and corpses start burning at first and then it starts going to our live characters and one of the villagers starts to burn and they can feel it they, they can't escape. They're screaming. And the other ones are looking at this burning person going, that's going to be me in a minute. Yeah. That's what sticks with me. And it's the shot that it does of Christian. It looks at Christian and you can see tears rolling down his face. But he can't that, move. He can't move. He just knows this death is coming. That's what stuck with me. It's not the beautiful imagery of what happens two minutes later. It's the inside that always stuck with me. Literally this creeping death. They can see it coming Mm. towards them, but can't do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Can't do anything at all. And yeah, so it carries on. Do you want to finish and we'll go from there? I think what follows then with the, the next scene, we see Danny in her floral regalia. Mm completely it's a really bizarre mix of emotions she's clearly very traumatized and crying and screaming and wailing and dragging this dress along behind her with the burning pizza hut in the background and and that itself like i i think florence Pugh is absolutely incredible in this film the Mm -hmm. the emotion that she portrays particularly in this scene and this this is where we get the iconic kind of a uh, picture of Danny with like the sad face and the flower crown, mm-hmm. which then slowly turns into a smile. Yeah, and um... that gives me fucking goosebumps because <laughs> because not because I think a lot of people mistake this film as a a good for you good for her yeah horror okay. film yeah that's it the thing ain't I'm good talk for about. her yeah. at all. Christian should never have been burned. Yeah, he was a dick, but he never deserved to be burned alive. Mm. And number two, it's not good for her. She's just been indoctrinated into a cult. Yeah. It ain't good at all. No, it's that thing of, again, like, so it's the, the, we we talked about like the chanting along of people, any, whenever someone has a, a very verbal emotion, everybody joins in. And that's what happens with her at this moment as well. She's screaming, she's crying, and everyone joins in with her. And the screaming coming from the fucking hut. People joining with that. And there's this chorus of people all dressed up in flower regalia and dressed really lovely and there's a juxtaposition to this burning building. All screaming and chanting. And and that's when she... It's that's going on in the background when you get that smile. And 
Yeah, to me, it was always a think of sense of like this. She's found her belonging and she's found a way to deal with her trauma for forever. She never has to really deal with it. No. And yeah, the whole thing of the, the good for her thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't like that. <laughs> I no, don't like it at I, all. I don't and, agree with it. No, I, I don't. And I don't understand it. I never did. And I started seeing people wearing the T-shirts of the good for her and posters are with it and stuff. And I was like, why? Why is it good for her? It's it's not a happy ending. It's it's no. displayed as a happy ending, but it's not a happy ending for anybody involved. I agree completely. Mm. And yeah, I mean, that's the end. The film ends there and it's it's a roller coaster, the whole film. And like I said, I think one of the reasons I don't like the film as a whole, like I said, like there's parts of it that I think are, are amazing, but I think it maybe just be a little too close to home for me to be able to enjoy it as a piece of entertainment. But then again, that's not a bad thing either. You're not going to like like everything you see and every film that is made, someone's going to be alienated by it. Yeah. and And that's fine. Like, I don't squash people for liking this film. Like, I know you love this film. And that's why, like, yeah, great. I want to talk to you about it because you do enjoy it. And that's fine. I want you to enjoy it. But, yeah, there's certain aspects about this that it's just the... I think the the the, the good for her thing made me dislike it even more, which never you normally would. Yeah, because it came after the fact, didn't it? Like you say, you saw all of this merch and everything that was kind of celebrating the fact that the guy got burned and Danny wins. Like mm. that's not the case at all. No. Like if you really watch the film, nobody she's, wins. She's lost everything. Everyone loses yeah. in this film. And I yeah. think that's again, what I kind of like. I yeah. fucking hate a happy ending film. <laughs> I like to leave a film feeling really shit and traumatized, oh, yeah. and then I can process and think about it. An unhappy ending is incredible. I love an unhappy ending. Same. Soul crushing ending. Same. It's great. So I think that's why I like John Carpenter so much. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many of his films that just end with, and the world might end, maybe. Fucking whatever. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. There you go. Here's a song. Tough shit. And I know. Yeah. That whole that whole good for her thing, I think you see it in other films like Carrie as well. Like mm. people mistake that as a good for her film. Not fucking good for her. She kills no. a load of people. Yeah. She's been abused. <laughs> it's it's the thing of we're pushing the, these characters to the brink of breaking, and then yes. they break. And this is the 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 fallout of that. Like Carrie, and this as well. I think Danny has not been pushed to the brink. She has pushed herself to the brink and gone way past it. She's over the line and she can't yeah. come back now. She is too far gone to be able to deal with all of this. So she lost a family at the start and she's gained another family technically. And it's like there's good for her gaining another family of murdering cultists. <laughs> like and still not dealing with past trauma either. No. She's just and... bringing that into the fold. No. And like I've heard people say that like Christian was a terrible boyfriend and like, yeah, he deserved what he got. And I'm like, he didn't deserve what he got. And, no. and to be honest, we don't know if he was a terrible boyfriend always. No. Then I don't think he was a terrible boyfriend. He was just a person that was stuck in a shit situation and he didn't know how to deal with it. And like everybody who's trapped, who feels trapped, 
they they do stupid things yes and and they don't and they, like say you're a year into a relationship that should have ended back then of course he's going to be struggling of course he's he's a victim just like everybody else for this whole situation and i think a lot of people only see danny as a victim they're all victims in very yeah. different ways throughout this film exactly in the, the same way that they're all perpetrators as well yeah no one's a good no one's a good a, a good person in this really no. overall no one's really likable and, and yeah no one should have gotten away scot-free from this like n- no. no one wins everyone loses and that's how i always see it agree um, yeah. yeah i mean some people like this like lights funny like love it and don't see it that way and that's fine. I think it's one of them again. It's open to interpretation. You you perceive things however you want to perceive it. Definitely. But yeah, yeah Midsummer from me. I don't want to do because I've never used. I usually give a film a rating. Yes. Out of ten, I'll give mine, and I I feel I can be very generous with this film when I say what I think the rating of this one was. For the cinematography, the shots, and there's there's moments that are very great. I have I actually would give it a seven out of ten. Like genuinely, I it's one of those where I can appreciate it for what it is. But I myself wasn't in, wasn't entertained by it. But I have taken my history into perspective when I say that. So yes. that's why I'm like seven out of ten. It is a good film, but it's not for me. That's what. But what about yourself? I mean, I've I've got a picture right there of Florence. Oh my! I didn't even notice that. (laughs) (laughs) So, and there's there's not many film posters or anything like that that I do actually put up on my walls. Like I've got a lot of art, but there's very few film posters. So, Exorcist will always be my number one. And if you hadn't have done a podcast episode on that already, (laughs) then that's the one that I would have chosen. But Midsummer is my number two film, so ten out of ten for me. That's fair. That's absolutely fair, and I can see why you like it so much. And um, I will do Exorcist three at one point. I've done Exorcist one, and I've done Exorcist two as a Patreon. Yes. So I will do Exorcist three. So maybe Which, we can, we can do that. Exorcist two, like Exorcist three. Is... Oh my god. Yes. I can't. I. If people do sign up to Patreon and listen, you'll hear me say I've seen this movie twice. And I don't understand why. And then I'm going to invite myself back for the new Exorcist film as well. Oh yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to say this: I'm not doing the series that's on Amazon. I'm not doing it. Do not care. What the Exorcist series? Yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to review it. Do you not know I, this exists? It's so good. I All love right, it. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I'm sure it's good, but I'm not doing a whole fucking series. Oh no, 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 no! Fuck yeah, that. that. No. <laughs> Your attention will not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I barely well. have attention for this. <laughs> I know. Like, come on this is, i'm gonna be like asleep for like 12 hours after this now <laughs> but um yeah so jesa you are you're you create art and stuff where can people find you if they want to find you and find your art so i am the scary zara mary on uh instagram uh my art is called rate scary because i'm a yorkshire bird uh, um and you can also find me on tiktok as well as scary zara mary brilliant uh, yeah, so I'll I'll wrap it up there. Like I said, for myself as well. Um, you can find me on Instagram at boogie underscore man underscore dh, um, or it's the bearded horror review on Spotify, app, iTunes, wherever, and on YouTube as well. So this is going to be going on YouTube and uh, podcasts as well. 
I use kind of like two different versions that are both ever so slightly different. I don't know if people have noticed that. Um, but yeah, so as also, <clears throat> if you want to join the Patreon, you can do. Um, there's a link in the show notes below. I'll link all of your things down below as well. That's okay by you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and until then, I will say my catchphrase, which I don't understand where it's come from. But I'll say goodbye, Zara. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. And until then, everybody else, happy watching. <laughs>